Hey, this is Ryan Fitzpatrick, and you are listening to the EA Podcast with Eric Allen. Take it away, EA. Thanks, Fitz. The EA Podcast is underway. The Mad Backer is in the house, Bart Scott. Um, Jets, obviously, make a mad comeback in Cleveland on Lake Erie, trailing 27 at halftime, a 24-point run in the second half, take home a 31-28 victory. Much has been said about what was said at halftime. What is Bart Scott's favorite halftime speech that you experienced as a player, whether you said it or another player, well, or a coach. I'm, I'm not even going to talk about like something inspirational. I'll talk about something that's more comical. Okay, um, we're getting we're getting beat up when I was a member of the Baltimore Ravens by the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. So Singletary comes in. He used to give us our motivational speeches. On, he's your linebacker coach. Yeah, he's my at the linebacker time. coach. So he's the Hall of Famer linebacker, yep. Mike Singletary. Go ahead. So he um, used to give us our halftime. He used to give us our motivational speech on Thursday. That was kind of like his thing. He addressed the team, and he always had something. So we get our butts whooped, and he comes in at halftime. He's like, "What's going on? We are the raisins. <laughs> what? We are the raisins? Like, what the hell's wrong? He's like, he's like, yo." We should be beating this team. Let's come back. He was like, Chris, you got to cover your man. Hey, Chris doing it. Chris McCallum. Yeah. He's doing the best he can. The man's out there drunk. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> he's, like, he's like, Chris out there drunk. Like, what? <laughs> he was. He probably was. He probably was. He was probably sweating oil. It was just like crazy. One, he forgot the name of the team. <laughs> Two, he says, hell, the man's doing the best he can. He's out there drunk. You really said raisins? Raisins. We are the raisins. <laughs> like, who's the raisins? Like, California raisins? He said Chris McAllister was doing the best job he could. He's like, he's doing the best he can. The man's out there drunk. <laughs> like, oh, man, we didn't know you knew, Coach. So what did you guys say to each other? Did you man, say anything just after each other, that? Like, man, this, this is where we're at. But uh, any inspirational uh, speeches that you remember, guys coming in at halftime? Halftime? Yeah. Uh, none that stick out. Only the funny ones stick out. Just the, the, the typical stuff where, you know, like, listen, man, we better than this. Let's go. You know, um, we've all done that. Break it down. Break it up. Bring it up. Stuff like that. But that was just the funniest. You know what I mean? That's, that's like, ridiculous. Like, what the hell are you talking about, coach? Like, are you high? What, what were you – what was Singletary like as a coach? That, like his personality. Singletary wasn't a – he's funny, man, because he's a really thoughtful guy. Yeah. He was really calm, and people always talk about how the intensity in his eyes. And I used to be like, man, like this dude was like – you look at the, the, the NFL film, he's like, man, look at this guy. He's crazy. The reason he, he was looking like that because he can't see a thing. He's blind as a bat, man. So when he takes his glasses off, his eyes pop up because he can't see. I always thought that's just like he was intense. He can't see nothing, man. Yeah. He's blind as a bat, man. But it was funny, man, because he, he was funny, man. First of all, he thought we was in 1985. That was the first thing. Then he used to do stuff. Like, I remember the first time he came, and, you know, we had already been there together for, like, three years, and he came, like, our third year. And, um... He, he had us in there putting our bands around our ankles, and he had this, like, the shed, like the little shed. So we, if we stand up, we hit our head on the fence, and we had a shuffle in there. So, like, I remember the first day, like, this is, like, off-season conditioning or, like, OTAs or stuff like that. And we're shuffling, and it's um, Ed Hartwell, Peter Bowyer, you know, all-pro, like, face of the franchise, 
sack, all-time sack leader before Suggs beat it, and Ray Lewis. So the, the drill was that you had to shuffle for like a minute, but we got bands on and we crouched down. So like we doing this and like Peter Bowyer like fell. And, he, and Peter Bowyer doesn't cuss. He's a very religious guy. And he took the band off like, dang it! You know, pissed off. Yeah. And Singletary looked at his watch, stopped it, while Ray and Ed was still shuffling, waiting on you, Pete. You know, what, what is a what is a, 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 a all pro, I think Peter Bowyer is a defensive MVP one year, say to a Hall of Famer? Can't say nothing. So, like, Pete looking like, man, you crazy? So, after that practice, Ray and, and Peter Bowyer went and talked to Ozzy. Like, man, this dude's crazy. He's going to freaking kill us, man. Like, we doing this before we got to go cover the running backs in one-on-one drills. Like, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, we don't have no legs. And you going to go over there. You want to expect to go over there cover a running back? Running backs over there talking, drinking Gatorade. Yeah. And we over there. Like, he was just too intense. We had to, we had to train Singletary. Because, like, then he come out. We come out to practice one time. This dude has a machine built. We're like, what the hell is this? So he sits in a chair. And he has levers. So you come down, he push one lever, the, the bag pops out, right? Then you have to push it and pop it back. Then he wants you to come downhill and push something else. And then it, he pushes a lever and like a bag swings around, like a big punching bag comes, swings around. You got to hit it. Yeah, it was like crazy, like something that he had specially made. And it was on wheels. I remember when we went to camp, we should try and hit it so hard that we pushed the wheels down to make him roll down the hill and fall over and break the machine. Like, it was just crazy, man. Like, he had this thing with a helmet. Then he had a lever in the middle with a helmet. So if he moved the helmet to the left and loop it, that means it was a boot. We had to hit the boot, spin around, he throw the ball. If not, he put it down, we had to come down and hit the bag. Like, man, look, man. So he had some interesting tactics, huh? Man, but the funny thing is, the funniest thing is meetings with Singletary. Yeah. Because we knew the defense way better than him because we had been in it. So we would be in there. Uh, going through meetings, he'll say something, and we had a guy who was the the biggest agitator ever, Delius Thomas. <laughs> you know, you, everybody remembers Delius because the one time he was late in New England, um, they sent him home and, and Randy Moss. Okay, and right. it was a snow day, right. and he was. And when the reporters, nobody says anything about Belichick and what he does, and they asked the day, say, "Man, I called two hours ahead. It was a snowstorm. What am I? I look like a Majetson. Well, my my car my car is supposed to levitate over all the rest of the traffic." They cut him the next year. But that just gives you an idea of the type of player he is. So we're in there, and um, Singletary would typically say something, and it'd be wrong. But instead of kind of soft playing it and saying, you know, Coach, I think it's a little different, we, AD will raise his hand like, man, that's wrong, right? So it's not what you say, it's how you say it. So I can remember one time being in the meeting, and uh, Singletary, it was funny because he would always look at you like, I'll be right back. And he'll go ask for the coach to figure out he's wrong. <laughs> he'll have to come change it. But we laugh because we know the defense better than him. Of course, we've been in for three years. So um, this particular day, he's putting in, a, I think, I-2 buster, which is basically cover two. We carry the, the, the tight end up. And if number one comes underneath, we let him go to the safety in the corner, and we drop and take the drive route. So, you know, he, we, we're talking about it, and he said something to AD say, Coach, that's wrong. And he said, Every time I say something, it's always 
the same person. And he takes his Sharpie, right, and pops the top off. And he writes, A-D, A-D. He writes like 30 times, A-D, A-D, A-D. Always the same person, A-D. So, of course, we sit there back to laugh. Like, this dude about to blow a gasket, right? He'll pop an aneurysm. Yeah. So, of course, typical Raven fashion, man. What do you think? He said, he said, A.D., what is it, right? So most players in their right mind would say, you're right, coach. <laughs> Abe's like, man, I don't know what you're talking about. It's wrong. He's like, ah! And stormed out. <laughs> it was crazy, man. <laughs> it was crazy, man. It was the funniest stuff that going on there, man, because I was a young kid. I'm a young player, and I'm watching all this stuff happen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I've seen coaches almost get beat up. I've seen, I've seen a dude, you know, we're on a road trip, and we go out to the West Coast early. This dude drove to L.A. and stayed, missed practice, comes back and cusses the head coach out. I'm like, damn, this is the NFL? Like, you just, you just cuss the coach out? Like, nothing going to happen? This is an unnamed player? Yeah. yeah who, they, put him on a, they put him on a plane and sent him home. Really? Like, the craziest thing ever. But he cussing the coach out. Like, I don't give a hell. Like, uh, that's usually, that's not your line. Right. Like, you're wrong. That's not your line. That's the line of somebody that's right. Right. I don't give a f. Is like usually said by the person that's correct. But that was just the way it was, man. It was funny. It was funny, man. I got stories for days when we talk about dealing with the Ravens, man. It was crazy. Hey, uh, so Saturday night in Cleveland, I had an opportunity to go to the Cavaliers game. Saw LeBron James in person. Were you in the nosebleeds, or did they get you a good seat? I had a decent seat. Ah, you know somebody that knows somebody. I, I was fortunate. Um, so saw LeBron play for the first time. Is his hairline as bad as it looks on TV? Uh, I was up a little bit, so I couldn't up tell. A little bit. Oh, you know okay. what I'm saying? But um, what's your take on the first week in the NBA season? Because I mean, right now you got to be looking at the Golden State Warriors and saying. Oh, I'm not worried about that. No, you think they're going to no. be fine inside? It takes time for chemistry. No, too. I know. I'm not worried about the length of the season. I'm just saying the way the team's constructed. Are they big enough inside? Well, they, they may have to make a trade down yeah. the season, but, you know, they're going to be able to put up points. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think uh, David West isn't tall enough to – he's not a shot blocker, so they don't have the intimidation factor that Bogut had. You know, Bogut was really the X factor. But they can go find a guy like Bogut in a trade. Yeah. They can, he's out there. Because I like Cleveland's team. they got a lot of balance. Do you know Mike Dunleavy's playing with the Cavaliers? Yeah, yeah, I didn't even you know, know that. We'll see, if he can, we can, we'll see if he can stay healthy. Yeah, because in the last couple of years with the Bulls, he hasn't been healthy. We'll see if he can stay healthy. Uh, but he gives them much needed three point shooting, and opens the court up. Him and Love can open up the court, so now they have real legitimate three point threats. Um, Halloween, you just celebrated that with your kids. Yeah, took them out. Halloween, it, I didn't do anything. It, like and they dressed up as what again? Uh, Garlic Garden, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, zombie princesses, and uh, I think a skeleton. Going a dark skeleton man, but my son, other son, you know, he had a wardrobe wardrobe change. Early in the, in the day, he was like a stormtrooper and all that stuff. You know, you know, it's, it's, it's getting to the point now where you got to have two outfits. You know, so each of them had two, but my oldest only wore one because he didn't, he just cared about the candy. He didn't care about the wardrobe change. So your dad who hangs out with his kids, very involved. What do you think about this? Uh, uh, Ethan Greenberg, our young intern here, Syracuse product, is telling me today that. A father was on a plane with his uh, a child, and they weren't going to be able to celebrate Halloween. So he passed candies out to everybody on the plane, and the 
He did, or did the, 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 he did, and the passengers all gave the kid a, a Halloween treat, so he was able to celebrate Halloween. What do you feel about that, Bart Scott? What the hell did they give him? Peppermints and pretzels? <laughs> what's, what's on an airplane? I don't know. Maybe nuts, nuts, pretzels, <laughs> beef jerky. I think you might. I think you, you know? might. I think you might ruin the kid because somebody that's just as bad as giving somebody uh, black licorices. Or you know what's crazy? Like remember those little uh, slices? And they had the purple one in there, and the purple one tastes like black licorice. Yeah. Chumbos or something like that. It was something like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't like those. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I, I don't like those. Okay, so What's Mitch. What's your go-to candy? What do you give out? What's your favorite candy for Halloween? Well, my favorite candy, I used to like Twix when I was a kid. Um, so but I, 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 now. Everything's mini. Everything's mini. Now I just like peppermint, uh, little peppermint patties, you know what, what? I'm saying? That's an old man candy. Is it? So old man candy, peppermint patties. Yeah, might yeah. at least eat the juju. Uh, the the things I remember Seinfeld when he dropped these watching the surgery. Yeah, but those ruin your teeth, bro. What's the difference between that and the peppermint patty? They're uh, the same. Think... They're just minis. Yeah. Yeah, you ain't know that. The juju fruits or something? Not juju fruits. The uh, little the little mints. It's a white. Oh box yeah, I like, like those too. Rice. Yeah, yeah. yeah you said the, the juju fruits. No, 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 no. Okay, so Jets are at the midway point, three and five right now, two game winning streak. Um, if you were to name a team MVP, obviously. They're not happy where they are right now, even though that they are on a two-game winning streak. Who is, who would you say is the most valuable Jet right now? To me, it either has to be uh, Anunwa or it has to be Sheldon Richardson. You have, you have to say those guys have played consistently at a high level throughout the whole year. And, you know, Quincy Anunwa is unexpected. You know, he came out of nowhere. We know what to expect out of Sheldon Richardson, a solid performance after being suspended the first game to come back and kind of hold down the front or the, or the forward at the, you know, the front seven. Uh, how valuable is Mr. Consistency? Because this is the word I'm giving him is uh, David Harris. Because you play next to him, it looks like a different uh, defense when he's out there on the field. Not everybody's going to say, well, the Jets didn't look good in the first half the other day. Just imagine, I say, just imagine what would happen if he wasn't out there um, uh, consistently. Because right now the Jets are going through a lot of Injuries at the linebacker position. Darren Lee's been out with an ankle injury. Bruce Carter went down with a quad injury. Julian Stanford played well, but I attribute some of that to David probably helping him out. Yeah, absolutely. I think what some David up is when you look at that um, that tight end screen that they attempted to run. David recognized that it could have been a huge play. You thought that he had you know caught the, the Jets in a bad look and had a big play coming. And you know, good old reliable recognized it. Still was able to, to hustle and you know put that head down and lean forward and, and make the tackle, you know. But that's the type of things and the plays that you know may not it goes unnoticed. But I saw that as a potential gadget trick play, but it became just a, a minimum game because David recognition, uh, kind of understanding what was going on, and that's what you miss. He's he's like the midsection, you know. You know, people always concentrate on the upper body or concentrate on the lower body, but none of that stuff is, you know, transferred or increased without a strong midsection. He's the glue guy. He's the guy that brings the front end and the back end together. That was an unbelievable play because McCown made a nice pass. Because he yeah, he looked it over. He yeah. kind of lofted it over, got over the guys. Yeah, yeah. it was yep. a sprint yep. up right, throwback left, right. throwback screen. And David got all over that. Um, first half, we saw the Browns uh, take advantage of the <coughs> vertical pass plays again. Uh, in your mind now, uh, what has to change in the second half of the season so the Jets' a pass defense can come together a little bit more? Communication, man. You just got to know where you're supposed to be. You got to understand what the opponent's trying to do. You got to understand, you know, I mean, how many times you see, and that was a speedo, which is the same play that they got beat on the week before, and this time they actually played it. But 
the guy had bad technique. He recognized it. Well, at least they're recognizing it and playing it. Now you just have to make the play. Okay. So, Miami, real quick before I jump into a couple other things. Uh, what, what do they got to do? Uh, again, well, this front's going to be tested. Yeah. Believe me, this yeah. front's going to be tested because you Is this the about, best offensive line the Jets have played this year? Yeah. Yeah? Right now, I think this is. I think the Miami Dolphins probably are a number five offensive line in the game right now. Yeah, I think behind Dallas, and then you look at who has another great offensive line. Uh, you look at Tennessee Titans. Yeah. Um, the Bills can have a decent one when they're all healthy. You know, Glenn is in the game. Right. Um, you look at you know. The resurgence of the run game, and it's basically because you're starting to get some consistency and continuity between these offensive lines. You talk about Miami having, you know, uh, Brandon Albert, who we all would agree is a Pro Bowl caliber guy. They gave him $50 million a couple of years ago from Kansas City. He was a big, you know, acquisition, and he's just been injured. And then you put him next to the rookie, who really was a top 10 pick, um, and, and, and Tunsil, who dropped. Right. And then you put him next to arguably the you know, top three center. I think right. You know, Hudson in, in Oakland is one of those exceptional centers. You know, Pouncey in in in, in Pittsburgh, then Pouncey in Miami and Mango. Those are to me like the superstar centers in the league, and they have one of them. He's super athletic, about two eighty, two eighty five. He gets to the second level. They pull him whenever he's uncovered, and he's strong at the point of attack. So you look at that, and then around on the other side, it's a second round draft pick from Tennessee and Jawan James, yep. who's no pushover who's a big, heavy-handed, tall, powerful guy. And you watch Jed Jahi, you know, two weeks in a row with over 200 yards, you know, rushing. That's that's something to be said. Now, the Jets have been multiple and flexible with their fronts. Yeah. Sometimes it's 3-4, like last week. Seemed like they're going more in that direction against Cleveland. This week, you go more 4-3. What's What do you do here? What do you do here? I'm going to 3-4 because it's harder to, to know – to get your blocking assignments against a 3-4. Yeah. When you got 4-3, you, you see everything. You know, you got five to their four. You put two tight ends up there, then now you have now you have six to their four. You know what I mean? But you put five up there. They don't know who's dropping, who's rushing. And in a, in a, in a run, it don't matter because you're going to play the run and set the edge, so you're not dropping. So it's really five, and so it changes the math, and it puts a lot of stress on the guards because you put you put a guy in a five-eye, you know, or four-eye, in between the center, man, in between the the guard and the tackle. Now the guard's all by itself. But if you if you don't, you go to four three. Now he can get help from that tackle. So, you say the Jets maybe go three four, a little bit more unpredictable. Okay, top. Well, it depends on who's healthy. Yeah, yep. that's that's key. Who's healthy? Because uh, Miami's coming into this game off of a bye. Actually. Yeah, they're fresh. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting ball game because they're three and four. The Jets. And now they figured out their style of play. Yeah. Early in the year, they had an identity crisis. Now, do they, do they run out of power sets, or do they try to spread you and run? Or well, they, they do both? They, they, they utilize their tight ends. So they, they like to go with a lot of uh, Tiger personnel, which is two tight ends, or sometimes a giant package with three tight ends. And, you know, you talk about Jarvis Landry out there. He attacks the football. And Kenny Stills, um, before they went to the bye, kind of won that game with that huge downfield threat. You know, people don't remember Kenny Stills was Drew Brees' deep threat, yep. who they traded for a couple of years. I don't know if Cameron Jordan, or I don't know, I always say it wrong, Cameron Jordan or Jordan Cameron. It's Cameron Jordan, Jordan Cameron, right? Yeah, it's going to be available. And they got Devontae Parker there as well. Yeah, right? so, they, so they have skill positions, but you, they have their, what they're trying to do is limit Tannehill's um, – Throwing attempts because if you he, if he goes up above thirty, then it becomes it becomes tough. 
Uh, let's go on to the theater real quick with Bart Scott here on the EA podcast. Top movies 2016. How would you rank them? Have you seen any of the following? The Green Room, The Lobster, Louder Than Bombs, The Fits, Hell or High Water, Gleason. I have to admit to you, man. Mounds made it apart. The Invitation, Embrace of the Serpent. You seen any of these movies? I, I have the to, Nice Guys. Did I, you see The Nice Guys? I saw The Nice Guys. I, listen, I have to admit, when you have kids, you don't get an opportunity to go to the movies for yourself. You know, what happens is you go, I see more animated movies than anybody in the history of the world. Now, you bring up some kids' movies, I've seen them all. Tell me about the nice guys. Nice guys was funny, man. You know, it was about some um, two detectives. They're kind of, you know, one's kind of crazy. He's not a great detective, but he's kind of smart. And they're trying to, um, it's a um, government official, and her daughter's running around. They think that her mother's trying to get her killed. And it ended up that being the case um, because she was going to um, exploit her mother for some some things that she did off the books. And you know, nice guys are funny, man. It's like a it's like a loose comedy. It's a, Ryan Gosling's in it. Uh, Russell Crowe. Yeah, yeah as it's well. pretty funny, man. Ryan Gosling is kind of like the crazy guy that's you know not the real technical guy, and Russell Crowe is like the serious guy that actually knows what he's doing. Yeah. You know, so imagine, imagine like uh, Owen Wilson. That's that would be the Gosling guy. Okay, and and, and this is uh, going back in the day, the 1970s or so. Yeah, hey, what about funny. Deadpool? You ever see that one? Oh yet? yeah, Deadpool's pretty funny, man. I, I hear he just got uh, pissed off and he he fought for somebody to be in it or not be in it. So you know, uh, one of the characters, some some stuff going on, but it, it's funny because he wants to keep it funny. It's funny that the guy who plays. Deadpool is also the guy who played the Green Lantern. So, like, he's played two superheroes. But people, the Green Lantern was so bad that people forgot about it. You know, and Deadpool was actually pretty funny. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Now, was this, it was this funny. I mean, it, it was it, funny and good. Yeah? But that was Deadpool's personality. So, he's staying true to the, to the, um, staying true to the uh, comic book. But it was funny and entertaining. To me, it was one of the best. It was better at man Okay. All right. Good deal. Now, um, we want to introduce a little new segment here uh, since uh, we all started back in the day. What, barking, uh, what about 10 Cloverfield Lane, though? Did you see that one? Nah. Okay. So we want to introduce a John new segment. John Goodman yeah. buried into it. Yeah. 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 Barking with Bart. We okay. just wanted to give it, give it out to you right now, a little rant. Is there anything bothering you out there right now that's getting you going that's that you want to rap about? Um, nothing, nothing. Whether it's happening in a league or outside the league. Not, not, nothing, nothing, nothing too crazy going on. Um, not, nothing, nothing, nothing too crazy uh, other than the referees and some of the blown calls that, we, that we've seen over the last you know, couple of weeks. Um, Cam Newton, and you talk about the lack of calls that he's getting as a former MVP. How do you... Um, referee a guy that's bigger than the guys that's trying to tackle him. You know, it's kind of like the whole LeBron thing. It's the Shaquille O'Neal thing. When they're so physically imposing, you give the defender the benefit of the doubt because I feel like you feel sorry for him knowing what they have to try and attempt to do. Same thing happens with Ben Roethlisberger. You know, he takes shots that Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees don't have to take, um, Tom Brady, and it's not fair. Uh, a foul should be a foul. On do you think team. referees just don't know what to do with him because he's so big? They but, see but, but, a man but, who's so but, big. But, but, what but, is but, it? But it shouldn't matter. Hit to the face. Right. A hit below the knees. Those right. are those are 
you know, black and white. Those aren't subjective. Right. You know what I mean? So, so why do you think they're having such a, uh, such difficulty officiating with him? Because they see him run guys over. They see him, like, stand in the pocket. And, you know, they don't blow the whistle early, too. So he benefits from that because sometimes he kicks out of those things and throws the ball downfield. But they have to figure out how to how to protect him because I think that he's unfairly getting hit. Uh, I think it's a, he's a he's a target. You know, I think he's I think he's a target for certain um, certain teams. You know what that was? You know, that's what happens when the boss call you. Oh yeah. Yeah, the boss. It, you know, that's what happens when the boss calls uh, okay, you. Okay. Uh, work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, NFL at the midway. Yeah, the, the boss don't realize that I'm on air on the podcast <laughs> working, but you know, I can't I can't comment. She has to text me because hey, I listen, can't talk. Hey, listen. The boss talks. You got to answer. Yeah. Listen. Uh, NFL at the midway point. Uh, uh, your major takeaways right now: New England, uh, you know. New England's really good. Yeah, they're a force. Seven yeah. to one. Brady could throw what forty touchdown passes, maybe yeah, you know, twelve you know, games. You know, you know, you know what's the funnest team for me to watch, yeah. man? For me to watch, the funnest team for me to watch is, is San Diego. Yeah, Philip Rivers, man. Talk about making chicken salad out of chicken boo boo. Yeah. I mean, this guy just continue. Guys go down every year. They haven't been healthy there since Vincent Jackson. You know, and he just continues to be a gunslinger, man. He he just does his thing, and he he operates at a high level. They're so, in you know, every game. In every game, man. Like three he, and five, and you don't even know who the hell he's throwing to. Right. I mean, they're just a fun team to watch. You kind of feel sorry. You kind of feel like a whole Dan Fouts type of thing. You feel like you're watching a great player that's never gonna get a chance to prove his greatness. You know, because they they do a bad job and. You know, surrounding him with talent and and consistent talent, and you just feel bad for him. Oklahoma, you know, Gates, Gates is coming down. You know, he he's not the same player. Clearly, right, they lost Danny Woodhead. They lost um, Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen early in the season, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you go all the way back to Stevie Johnson though as well. Yeah, Stevie Johnson, yeah, former Bill there. Uh, right now, you got Oakland sitting atop the AFC West with Denver at six and two with a five and zero road record. The Oakland Raiders. They're the road warriors, man. Are they for real, Bart Scott? I think they are, man. You thought you got you have to you have to look at Derek Carr, man, and see how 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 he's balling, man. You talk about all the things that he's doing, how well he's playing. You know, you, they have to be for real. I mean, they they're doing this on the road. They've come from behind. You talk about over 500 yards of offense last week. I mean, he, they just can't stop anybody. 32nd in the league in defense, and that's going to come back to bite them and be their Achilles heel. But you know. Maybe if Alden Smith continue, gets get back, yeah. you, can you imagine Alden Smith, Bruce Irvin, and Khalil Mack? And they should they, be able to get after the pass. Yeah, then. maybe, maybe. <laughs> now, uh, AFC South, uh, Houston's five and three. Uh, Titans are hanging around four and four. Uh, Indianapolis three and five. Uh, Jacksonville two and five. Uh, when you look at the Texans, five and zero at home. Fool's oh, gold. Oh, oh, three, uh, zero and three on the Fool's road. Fool's gold. Brock yeah. Osweiler isn't good. The, the cream of the crop in that division, I think when it's all said and done, is going to be the Tennessee Titans. Do you? Because physicality. Yeah. They, they, get after the, they get after the passer. I think it, they, before last week they had 12 sacks in like three games. Talk about Dick LeBeau and that, that blitz game. Brian Arakpo was like, uh, I think, second in the league in sacks or third behind like Alexander and somebody else. Um, they run the football offensively. They got an do athletic. They, do court. they do they run the football offensively? Right. They got they got one of the better young uh, quarterbacks in the league. Marcus Mariota and they, Delaney Walker is a Swiss Army knife, much like Charles Clay. He's the original Charles Clay. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you think about uh, Kendall Wright, who's starting to stretch the field out. And they're starting to put him on the move and use athleticism so they can you know throw the ball. So you like Tennessee in that division? Yeah, I've been it, said that. Everybody else will jump on it after they win it, but I said it a long time. Okay, you got it. So AFC, but AFC West. 
You think Oakland's for real? Denver, you got to say they're for Trevor, real. But Trevor Simeon, man, I can't. I don't believe in him. I but, think I think he played great early on, and now teams are seeing how they're how they're using him, and he's starting to struggle. You got three potential playoff teams in that division. You do because Kansas City's coming. Kansas City's Kansas five City, and two. Right, and Kansas City's you know Kansas City's come off a bye, so they're one game behind everybody else. So. You know, we, we, they potentially next week they could be six and two. Is Pittsburgh eventually going to run away with the AFC North? They're four and three, but really haven't created too much separation from teams like Cincinnati and Baltimore. Uh, it doesn't matter, man. Once they get healthy, as long as they're in striking distance, they'll win it. You, know, you, you like the Steelers there. And then uh, uh, we know the Patriots are really good, and the Jets and the Bills and Miami are going to try to get back into this thing. Of those teams, is there much separation between uh, the Jets, the Bills, and Miami? You see a lot of similarities, not in the way they play, but just where they're at right now. They're, they're, they're all messed up. You know what I mean? They're all messed up in, in, in one pile. Um, one of them may have sinned. Um, we'll see. Uh, the Bills took a, took a butt whooping. The Jets are trying to go for the third straight, and Miami's trending up. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. And, and the NFC right now. Do you have to say Dallas is the favorite? I well, think so. I think so. You do? Yeah, I think so. Especially when they got a tough tough win. Tony Romo, I think, is eventually going to come back. You 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 got a lot of heck for that, saying that on NFL Today this week, that you would go back with Tony Romo, no matter what happens with Dak uh, Prescott this week, if the Dallas wins even again, right? I think I think you stay with him, man. I think you stay with him. I mean, you, I mean, I think you stay with the Dallas Cowboys as far as you know the cream of that division. And I think the Giants will kind of play spoiler. They'll try and beat people and knock them off. You know, they may you know beat you know Philadelphia or something like that. Um, they've already beat Dallas early in the season, but I don't think they have enough to finish. You know, that defense that they put all that money on is 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 it's not performed. And out of Minnesota, who's a five and two, Green Bay four and three, Atlanta. Five and three, and Seattle four two and one. Atlanta all day. You like you like Atlanta. I think they're one of the best teams in in in, in the AFC. If not, they're they're one or two. Okay. It today we're taping, and it is November first. Man, it goes fast. And let me tell you something. I believe tonight was the night we should have been at the Prudential Center because you know David Vega. He used to work at the WWE. Oh, He's a producer back here. It is SmackDown. Man, he didn't give us no tickets. He's in Newark tonight. Bomb. SmackDown. So before we get out of here, your professional wrestling experience was what? You got into the ring with whom? Well, I got in the ring. I got tapped out by uh, Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle? Yeah, Kurt Angle tapped me out. But I was on, it was like a whole thing. It was a whole show. So I was with um, Hulk Hogan when he had a line with Ric Flair, uh, Eric Bischoff. And, um, was this WCW or no? No, this is TNA. Oh, TNA. It's, it's kind of like the, the whole takeover where right. all the old guys went, you know, to TNA. Right. And it was pretty fun. You know what I mean? Hulk Hogan was there, Beer Money, who I didn't know, but Ric Flair, Eric Bischoff, and you watch these guys as professional. You watching Flair put the uh, razor blades in his um, in his in his wrist wraps so he can cut himself. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, how many times did this dude cut himself with the razor blades to have blood? Was like, he all scarred up? It's weird. You don't really see it. Really, you don't see it up uh, up close, like because he's had to done that. Look, me a billion times, thousands of times yeah, over I don't his know, career. Man. Maybe, so, you got, maybe, maybe you got that. that did you get thing. any blood? 
Hell no, nah, I wasn't doing that. Okay, but Kurt Angle tapped you out doing what? What was his move? His ankle lock. You know, that's his famous move. He caught me in the ankle lock, twisted it, hurt me, tap, I tapped out. How many times did you have to go over that before? None, we didn't. We just got a ring and started going. What it's do you funny, mean? I, I, got, I got in a fight because I was trying to protect the president, Dixie Carter, and Dave was like, well, you know, we're not going. I'm like, what are you talking about? I, I'm a fight. Like, Dave was scared, like, well, you know, your NBA, NFL contract, you're not going to do this, not going to do that. Yeah. Like, Bull crap. So we can find this. We can find this on YouTube. Yeah, you get, well, if you find, you got to find the day. So you'll find Kurt Angle tapping me out, but you don't see the whole show. You need to get the whole show so you can see. I fought two different times. Hulk Hogan like hooked me up, and he had um one of the, I forgot one of the Harding boys show me around. He's like, hey man, what kind of girls you like? I'm like, oh, I'm just chilling, man. Yeah, we got them all sizes. Hey brother, we got some business to take away. Yeah, he's talking about the other guy. We got some business to take care. How about you take Bart and go tell him all the amenities. This is on part of the show? Or yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, like when they had like the backstage, right. on backstage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the camera's following you around? Yep. Uh, and then, then we saw some people, and then we got in a fight. What, what was your ring gear? No, no, I was just chilling. Oh, you were just chilling. Yeah. You weren't supposed to be part of it. Yeah, yeah. And then we had some stuff when I was in the, um, you know, me and Ric Flair went in, and Kurt Angle was getting ready, and I was what you consider the heel. So when he um, went in there, Kurt Angle was like, oh, hey, Bart Scott, I was the hill, so I was like, who's this guy? Right. You know, so I was looking at him like, he's like a big fan. Like, who's this guy? So then um, Ric Flair was like, hey, big boy, because it was supposed to be a wedding going on. I broke up a wedding. He was like, hey, man, if you get involved in this wedding tonight, Kurt, Bart Scott, woo, and he started smacking me on my chest. Six, he made me like 6'4", six, 200. I'm like, I ain't 6'4", but whatever. <laughs> he said, he said, hey, I'm going to send him down here to beat you, get, get in your butt, brother, so you better stay cool. So that's what happened. I went down the stage because he broke up a wedding yeah. between Jeff Jarrett and his former, his real wife. Okay. You know what I mean? But they supposedly not married on the show, so I had to go down there. And I like, I told you not to get involved. And then like, I pushed him in the face and all that stuff. And he, we get in a fight, and then he topped me out. Angle, how big? Uh, Kurt Angle's small. He's like maybe 5'8". Yeah? Yeah, I mean, I, just I, I, look, I look 6'4", compared to him because I was, so, I was towering over him. He was just—he's just jacked up, dude. Though, well, right? listen, he's a real wrestler. You know, when you talk, when you talk to people in the, in the business, you know, they say that he's the most dangerous person for real because he can hurt you for real. Yeah. Like as far as his throws and techniques, and they really lean on you know within that business, they really depend on each other to take care of each other. Did you, did you get a chance to talk to him at the show? I used to have his number. We used to talk all the time. Oh, okay. I'm good friends with Mark Henry too. He lives in Harlem. Mark Henry, the world's strongest man. No doubt. How big a dude is Mark Henry? He's short, but he's probably like 400 pounds. He's a big dude. Well, you can put the weight, throw the weight around, I mean, man. world's strongest man for real. That, that wasn't just, that nobody was just throwing that out. He who was, was uh, it, so when you're backstage and you're meeting all these guys and things like that, who was the most impressive guy in terms of just size or strength? Because you're a professional they, athlete. They, they had a guy there named uh, Magnum or something like that. Some guy named Magnum. He's like seven feet. Yeah. 320 pounds, like all ripped up. Like, yeah. Real ripped up. You know what I mean? So, I mean, that had to be like somebody that was like, man, usually you see guys that big, they're, they're not cut up. He was like seven feet and cut. What was Flair like? Cool guy? Flair was great, man. You talk about like we didn't rehearse anything. They just told him a scenario. He snapped right into character. Like, he knew things about me that I didn't think he knew, and he just, he just went with it. One take. They didn't rehearse anything. No. You just roll up. One take. It's a professional. And, and what, you were playing at the time. Yeah, yeah. And, you Did know, you have to get clearance from here? No, I didn't give a crap. I knew I wasn't going to get hurt. Yeah? But <clears throat> that's that's when people were trying to make a big deal about, oh, the Bart Scott hurt his ankle, blah, blah, blah. Right. Because he did the ankle lock, and I was limping and playing it off like, really, guys? Really? Right. Like in the two fairs, real, too. Would you do it again? 
Yeah, it's fine, man. I'll tell you what, man. I'll, I'll do a main event if they want to give me that Dennis Rodman money. Remember, Dennis Rodman missed a, a basketball game or something, and he made he got fined like $10,000, and they gave him $225,000. So he, uh, the net profit's two fifteen. So I'll take that every day. You know, Dennis Rodman was here during training camp. He what? stopped by for like five minutes. His coach Bowles said Quincy Inouye was the Dennis Rodman in the New York Jets. He does all the little things. So he showed up. So Rodman retweeted that, found that on the internet. Then we contacted him, or his representatives contacted us, and he was here. Yeah, man. I hope y'all gave him some um, lip gloss, man. Cause them lips be ashy as hell. <laughs> you know, I love the worm, but come on, man. You got to put some 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 some. Do you, some aquaphor or something on your uh, lips. So we'll talk about this next week, but something for you to consider is that uh, I want to know, uh, because Baltimore, a tremendous loyal fan base and passionate people and things like that, but there are a lot, it seems like to me, just on the surface, more celeb Jets fans. So I want to talk about maybe some personalities you've talked to over the years because you were a Jet. Because Kevin James, like you mentioned, like a couple shows ago, he's got a new show out. Yeah, Sandler's Kevin big. Wait. Sandler's a big Jets fan. Uh, the late um, great um, Le- Sopranos. Le- uh, yeah, James Gandolfini, yeah. Uh, Larry David. The list goes on and on. Lots of guys. Um, uh, and you know, I don't know who Denzel is a fan of, but he was here a few years back. I don't know if you had a chance to meet Probably him or Pittsburgh. whatever. You so know, you got to think of the, the teams that have the hugest uh, fan base were the teams that were successful in the 70s and 80s. Right. Because those guys were kids so they, at that time. So Steelers, Cowboys, yeah, so 49ers, guys, something. Right, like, so like the Patriots will have a huge fan base in the next 10 years. Yeah. You know, the people that can remember Brady and their parents being happy and all the championships are young now. They're going to become older fans, and that's going to be their team. And you see people like, well, why are you a Steelers fan? You live in Oklahoma. Because, because that, everybody roots and jumps on the bandwagon. Everybody wants a winner. That's right. why everybody's rooting for the that, Cubs right now. And that's what you get. You'll get Golden State fans in a couple of years. Yep. Like when Curry and them retire, you'll be like, oh, man, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Golden State fan. Like, well, why are you a Golden State fan? Because it's, everybody wants to, 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 to root for the winner because it's, more, it's happier. You're happier more often. Right. You know, it's hard for people to say, hey, I root for the Lions because it's been, it's been miserable. Yeah. But, you know, the casual fan, not the, you know, the fair weather fan is going to jump on whoever is dominant for the era. There are, there are a lot of casual fans out there because, you know, this is what happened in the World Series, and by the time a lot of people listen to this is that the series is probably going to be over. But, um, you know, I, I feel like it's been cool in some respects to be a Cubs fan lately because uh, Wrigleyville, uh, Wrigleyville is cool, Chicago's a great city, the North End, they haven't done it in so long. But the Indians have not won a World Series since 1948. I mean, it, I guess yeah, it's not be chic. Believe-land? It's not chic to be an Indians fan, but heck, man. Well, because uh, the, the the more uh, historic, uh, you talk about the historic uh, baseball franchises. You think about Boston. You think about the Yankees. You think about the Tigers. You think about maybe now uh, the Cardinals. Oh yeah. You think about the Giants. The Indians don't really fall into that no. that space, even though and they've so, been around for a long right, time. Right, but you know, you got you got teams that were great back in the day, and you know, you talk about historians. Um, baseball is one of those things where they really honor the past. All right, Bart Scott, that's it, brother. No doubt. Uh, a good show this week. What was that about? Forty minutes? Out of time. Man. We out. That's a forty-minute show. <laughs>